Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. This week we talk with Martha McCabe. Martha is an Olympic swimmer for Canada. She came out publicly a week or two ago. And one of the interesting things about her story is she talks about the dearth of role models in elite women's swimming, how very few women are LGBTQ and out in women's swimming. She talked in the article uh, about seeing various out men. And we're so used to sports having various out women, very few out men. But she saw the complete opposite in her sport of swimming, which was so interesting. We talk about the power of seeing people in your own sport and particularly at elite levels, how the lack of role models in your sport really has an impact on you. Martha was really amazing and candid. We talked with her about that, her favorite memories from the Olympic Games. She competed in two Olympic Games. Plus what she's doing now with an organization, uh, her organization, called Head to Head. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Olympic swimmer Martha McCabe. Okay, well, I'm here with Martha McCabe. Martha, tell me about the reaction to your story, whether it's from family, friends, Olympians, strangers. What has the reaction been like? been extremely positive and very supportive. Um, it's been surprisingly, I think I've gotten probably more attention than I ever have in my entire life. Um, more attention than placing fifth at the Olympics for this story, um, which I think for me was surprising. And I, I think it's a good thing though. And I think all the positive messages have, have meant a lot to me. So yeah, all in all, it's been very good. There's so much chatter about anti-LGBTQ bias in sports, and that keeps a lot of athletes from coming out to their friends, family, or publicly. Yet every single athlete who's come out, who I've spoken to in the last 10 years, says the same exact thing you just said. Gosh, I'm kind of shocked by all the support. How can we better convey that side of sports in our messaging and conversations instead of focusing so much on the fear and potential homophobia? Because again, everyone who comes out seems to have the same incredibly positive, wonderful experience. Oh, that's the million dollar question. I, I think the way that we try and like convey that message is just keep telling these stories and keep doing exactly this, this podcast and share this and get the word out because it is, when you say it like you just did, it is, it's wild. It's, that's a crazy, it's, it makes no sense. Well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's people focusing on the pre coming out experience instead of the post coming out experience. And I'm, I'm pushing my, my colleagues in the media constantly to tell those post coming out stories, but they're just, you know, they, they, they love talking to athletes about the fear that they had instead of the incredible triumph. Has there been, um, you know, a, a reaction that really, like, really um, got to you emotionally, one that, uh, that has lingered with you? I, I think all the support I've received has been, like, 
the support itself and the messages themselves have not been a surprise. I think so nothing like, you know, triggered me emotionally in any way. I just, it was just nice. I think just like positive messages and that kind of thing. But those types of messages didn't surprise me. Like I knew I had that support system around me, which I'm very fortunate to have. So for that reason, it wasn't surprising. Um, it was more just, yeah, the, I think the sheer quantity of messages and notes from people that I'd been long time, uh, like it's been a long time since I've even speak, spoken with them. You talk in the piece about knowing a lot of LGBTQ people in swimming and, and, and even at the Olympics, but you talk about how that's a lot of the G part of that and not a lot of the uh, maybe L or B or Q. Um, there are not a lot of women who are out in swimming. And you know, recently I interviewed Erica Sullivan, who hopefully will represent the United States next year. Um, but but you're right. There, uh, when I interviewed Erica, I was like, gosh, I I just don't know of another out woman at at that level. Um, I know this is speculation, but why do you think that is? Why are there, you know, why do you know of fewer women in, in, in swimming who are LGBTQ than men? I, I don't know the answer. Like, I, I would think, at least in Canada, um, part of that reason I do believe has something to do with the fact of having a, a strong, successful role model there. For example, on the men's side in Canada, we have Mark Tewksbury, who is just such a strong voice, leader, advocate, and, you know, won an Olympic gold medal in men's swimming. So I think that he's done a really great job and has played a big role in helping at least Canadian men see themselves in him and be open about themselves. And I, I would think that that plays a small role at least for women I don't know of a woman that's in a similar place like Mark Tewksbury who's out and um in swimming so I, I'm not sure if that's it or like like you said it would be speculation so I, I really don't know the answer but that's part of what kind of drew me to understanding the importance of coming out publicly did having Mark in Canadian swimming, uh, a high profile male Olympic gold medalist swimmer who is still involved in the Canadian Olympic Committee, or at least was, I'm not sure if he still is. Yeah, he is. Was, that, was he an inspiration to you? Was he a role model to you being in the same sport even though he was a, a, a gay man? To a certain degree, for sure. And I think part of that is just because of his success in the pool. Um, you know, he's an Olympic gold medalist. So um, I think no matter what, for me, he was a role model. He's someone that I think many swimmers look up to, I'd say a lot of swimmers look up to, especially in Canada. We don't have a ton of Olympic gold medalists in Canada in swimming. So um, Mark was a natural leader to look up to. So I'd say for men and women um, of any sexuality, to be honest, he is just a role model. And he chose that with his leadership and he speaks out and he's he is so authentically himself and he's just such a great guy so I think all those reasons just make him a, a very natural easy kind of 
role model for swimmers in general to look up to. So for me, 100%, the answer is yes, he was. For those of you who haven't met Mark Tewksbury, what you said is he's so authentically himself. Mark is really authentically himself. And, and, and even beyond being out, uh, when I've been in his presence, you just, his, his personality is so infectious that you can't help but just want to smile and joke and dance along with him and, and, and do whatever he's doing because it's working for him. Yeah, big time. I, 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 I want to kind of stick to the, the topic of role models because I find this area so fascinating. And, and at Outsports, I've found that how we see role models uh, is is um, really segmented that that swimmers look to swimmers and men look to men and soccer players look to soccer players and as you were there are plenty of women who are out in uh, certainly in the United States anyway in in, in soccer and basketball and in, in in Canada there are many who are out in in ice hockey and who have won multiple Olympic golds. As a swimmer, do you see those women as role models? Did you look to their stories to, to help influence and inspire yours? Or does just being in a different sport really just separate you from them? When I was competing in swimming and for the like basically two decades that I was competing in swimming, I didn't look outside of swimming. I was so in like, focused on the swimming bubble. My world was swimming and I didn't have a great, you know, like perspective outside of swimming. It was just, I was so wrapped up in swimming. And so at that time, no, I didn't look beyond swimmers. I didn't look beyond that sport at all. Um, since retiring from swimming, I stay connected to the uh, sports world a lot through the work that I do but also I'm um, part of the Canadian Olympic Committee Athletic Commission. So I am now connected more so to athletes outside of swimming. And being in this role has just opened my eyes to all the role models that there are. And I think for that reason, in addition to many others, that started to show me that like, I do see myself in some of these other women and I can look to them as role models. And I think that's part of the reason that I eventually kind of discovered this about myself and perhaps a reason that it happened so much later than maybe it would have had there been an out um, swimmer, uh, female swimmer when I was competing. You talked about uh, when you were swimming, never really finding yourself attracted to women during that time. Were you, not attracted to anyone? Was it that you were just so focused on your sport that, that relationships weren't on the radar screen? In a way, yes. Um, I grew up in a family where, and just I think society around me where basically everyone I knew was heterosexual. And so I did have, you know, little relationships in my swim career, but always it was nothing that got me super I'd say excited or um you know I had great little relationships but always there was something missing and I was not sure why but I assumed it was because I was just too focused on swimming that was always my kind of what I would just default to is like okay it's just because I'm not ready for this right now and once I'm once I'm done swimming then 
then I'll, I'll be ready to, you know, find myself a man and have this heterosexual relationship. That's kind of what I just like, let it go to. I wasn't worried about, you know, years on end being single or being in relationships that I wasn't fully, you know, I just didn't like as much. Um, it was more about just swimming at that point. So it was kind of a mix of both, I guess. What changed? Well, when I retired from swimming, I basically just did a deep dive on myself, not necessarily on purpose, but because I had to, you know, I had been a swimmer for so long and it was trying to find what next in my life am I going to do? So am I going to find a new career? And if so, what is that career going to be? And so kind of without even knowing it, I just, I started reading a bunch, um, you know, on different thought leaders. I started listening to podcasts and what came from that kind of deep self-reflection was all of a sudden I started to realize that like some of the things that I had just assumed were normal and didn't need questioning were more just norms of society that maybe do require some questioning. And so once I realized, I think that I could question certain norms around me, um, that's when honestly the idea came into my head, like, Hey, maybe it's not like, and maybe it's not, um, these men, for example, that is the problem. Maybe it's, maybe it's that I need to question myself. Um, am I truly attracted to, to these men or, um, you know, is heterosexual norms, is that like, is that just built up around me or, um, do I need to question that for myself? And once I started kind of exploring that a little bit more, I think my, my mind, honestly, it felt like it just opened right up. Um, for many reasons after swimming, I just started questioning kind of things around me, what was normal, what I saw, um, and what I was interested in and all that. And it was like a giant door opened on my brain and it was liberating, honestly, just being like seeing the world in a new perspective. And, um, so I think that that is kind of what led me to eventually kind of realizing this about myself. I know that I really questioned it when I, I, I met somebody. When I was 23 years old, I was playing ultimate Frisbee at UCLA and I saw the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And it happened to be this guy. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, well, <laughs> there goes everything that I've always thought and, and aspired to and hoped for because this is the truth. Yeah. Was there something that triggered that reevaluation or why you even questioned this? Um, that's a good question. It, there was no person at first. No, it was just me starting to question everything, I think, in society, which sounds a bit weird, maybe, but I started just questioning like my own thoughts and just why do I think this? These come from experiences. What experiences? These are just experiences I was maybe fed. And I just started questioning and kind of analyzing the way I thought. And that's what sparked the initial idea um, and the initial kind of realization maybe. But yeah, I think eventually um, it was meeting someone that for sure kind of like, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense now. And put all the pieces together for sure. Are you, is, is that person you met, is that the person you're still with? It, probably not the first one, no. The very first <laughs> time was someone else, but um, but meeting the, my gr current girlfriend 
is it was the same it was like as soon as I met her and like it was very obvious like okay this now everything it's just it's wild how the pieces kind of come together and it makes total sense is is she an athlete or or have an interest in sports yeah she was actually a high level hockey player in the states well I guess the YouTube have a lot to talk about she 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 knows the uh, the experience of elite athletes. Yeah, totally. Tell me about your uh, Olympic experience. This is an Olympics podcast, and and I'm always interested in hearing about like the 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 really wonderful memories that that athletes have from the games. Do you have one or two that stick out as that's going to stay in my head for the rest of my life? Oh yeah, it's so many. Um, I think one that stands out to me is racing in the Olympic final in the 200 meter breaststroke. That was my uh, specialty. And I was so focused on getting a medal for Canada at those Olympics in London in 2012. And like I say, swimming was my world and I love my family. I'm so close to them. But I, I moved across the country to train and I really felt like I kind of invested a lot to get to that podium and one of my favorite memories from the olympics is when i finished my 200 meter breaststroke race in that final i touched the wall look up at the results and i was fifth so i missed the podium but um i turned and looked into the stands and this is you know it's a massive venue there are so many people in the stands and somehow when i looked right up my mom was kind of like right there and we made eye contact in that moment and Oh, that was just such a cool experience being able to finish an Olympic race. And it really was a journey to get there. And my mom was a big part of it and just turning and leaning over the lane rope and looking up and, and making eye contact with my mom in that moment was, I, I couldn't have written that better. It was such a cool experience to be able to do that. So that is probably one of my favorite memories from my Olympics. Athletes at that level put so much pressure on themselves to win a medal for their country and win a medal for themselves. And for most athletes, it doesn't materialize. There's only three spots on that podium. Take me back mm-hmm. to the emotions of looking up and, and seeing your fifth and, and realizing that's it. And in the, in the hours and days afterward, the, my guess is roller coaster of emotions that brought to you. Totally. Um, so I actually distinctly remember touching the wall in that race, looking up at the scoreboard and seeing myself in fifth. And I said out loud, um, it was something I either said, holy crap, or oh my God. And um, because I was so shocked at the times of the podium, it was so much faster to get a bronze medal than I had expected, that I was kind of in that first moment just shocked. Um, I wasn't even that mad or upset. It was just in that very first moment, it was, holy crap. Okay. Like that's done. That whole thing is over. This is the result. Like it was just a ton of, uh, just surprise. And this is a wild moment. And then I remember immediately after that going out and you walk through a media zone, um, after the, your race. And I remember walking through that mixed media zone and, kind of feeling like you don't feel too much in that exact moment right after. But as soon as I started replying to some of the questions that were being asked um, in the media zone, I just burst into tears. And for no other reason than I was just exhausted. It had been 
such a long journey to get there. And, you know, the amount of times I replayed myself in my head, winning that race and being on that podium, it was incredible. So to have that moment be done was, was just like a wild experience and emotional. And so I just started crying and, um, yeah, I think it took, you know, like some time to probably months to be, to understand that it was, it was still a pretty good job. You know, I swam the best time and the fact that I made that final and came fifth, it took me months to kind of understand that that was a good result still. And that, like you said, so many athletes go to these games wanting a medal and they leave without one. And I think it just took longer and, and, and over the next few years, even just getting that perspective that a medal wouldn't have changed me as a person. And it, w- it would have just been kind of a different result. And that's it. I really don't think it would have changed my life in any way. And I think just the more, more time I had, the more perspective I got. And, you know, over a few years was ultimately able to be proud of the fact that I swam a best time in the Olympic final when it mattered most. So definitely took some time though. You, you won um, at least one medal in the world championships. I know you've won at least one in the, the Pan Am games. What is it about the Olympics that make it so important in, in the minds and eyes of, of athletes in quote unquote Olympic sports like swimming? Uh, I think it's just the, well, there's a lot of things probably, but I think a big part of it is that's that added attention. Um, and because of that added attention, every single athlete is at their best. That's where we all try to peak our performance for. So sometimes you'll go to world championships and, you know, maybe somebody took a year off that year to take care of the, an injury or mental health or whatever it is. But in an Olympic year, no one really does that. Everyone is just trying to peak. So for that reason, it's just this, it's just that's why it's the pinnacle of sport it's just a little bit of a higher level and then along with that added attention comes added um you know like even things like sponsorships and things like that like the olympics are what can bring a lot more of that type of stuff to an athlete and even for myself after it wasn't until after my first olympics in london in 2012 that i actually got a bunch of sponsors that I was able to continue for four more years um, and do so with like some financial support in a way that was made sense to keep going. So the Olympics are just that added attention and, and really by the media is what just brings it to a whole new level for so many different reasons and, and obviously makes it sometimes more challenging to perform, but when you perform well, it makes it that much better as well. I, I know you said you were just kind of, unaware, you know, or just being LGBTQ wasn't on your radar screen while you were competing. But at the 2016 Olympics in Rio, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of headlines about LGBTQ athletes succeeding, um, proposing marriage to one another. Um, there, there There was a journalist trying to track down and out LGBTQ athletes. Was, were you just totally oblivious to all of this in, in Rio? <laughs> it sounds wild, but a hundred percent. Yes. Like I didn't even know that until you just said that. Um, one of the things I think sometimes people forget because is that when you're at an Olympics, you don't see about, you know, at least for me personally, I see almost zero media in part because I'm at the games. And so I'm not like at home watching TV or anything. 
but in part because I actually put myself in this little like bubble getting ready for the games. So um, like, for example, getting ready for London and Rio would have been the same. I get rid of, I sign out of all my social media accounts. I hand them over to my sister to maybe post an update once or twice. I log out of my emails. I get a little, a new phone with a new SIM card and I use that to contact the people that are close to me. I really kind of do that so that I'm not distracted by, you know, all sorts of different things that come up in the media. Cause there's often little, you know, good and bad pieces that come with an Olympics in the media all the time. And for me, I felt to perform at my best, I needed to kind of eliminate those external distractions and just focus on a regular 200 meter breaststroke race. And so, yeah, I actually had no idea, which is kind of unfortunate, but yeah. That's what I hear over and over again, that people are in a bubble. And one of the, uh, the, the positive thing about swimming at the Olympics is that it's, in, in, it's the first week. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I, when I talk to swimmers, they're like, oh, I was literally done the first day of the Olympics and I had two weeks to just kind of soak it all in. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Head to Head. Yeah, so I run a company now called Head to Head, which basically connects Olympic athletes with youth and uh, corporate groups all across Canada right now. So the main purpose behind it is to have Olympians out sharing their story to promote resilience and mental wellness, really, for young people and, and, and adults alike, um, to have them out sharing their stories and share the different strategies that they have to manage nerves or deal with pressures or balance their life out or um, just be resilient. And so right now we've got about 45 Olympians in Canada um, kind of doing this, these mentorship programs. And uh, it's just been a really great way for me to stay connected to sport, for me to learn about running a business. And, and just it's so fulfilling to see what all these athletes um, I, I think have been through and how they're helping the next generation and corporate groups deal with challenges that they face in their daily lives as well. Is there a specific LGBTQ component to this? There's not. Uh, and that is something that's definitely possible to build out. Um, it's crossed my mind before. At this point, we do have kind of like 12 different curriculum topics, which range around some of those ones I mentioned, like managing nerves and pressure and time management. Uh, one of the topics in there is, inclusion, um, where we encourage different Olympians to share their experiences, um, whether it's working in teams or whether it's, you know, building diversity in their own teams or highlighting diversity within teams. We encourage Olympians to speak about whatever it is that's kind of um, the most important to them specifically. And if that taps into LGBTQ, then I mean, that's great. Um, but we don't specifically have kind of uh, an LGBTQ uh, curriculum topic at this time. I, just, I know, you know, a lot of LGBTQ athletes, younger people who are coming out today a lot, a lot sooner. They're look, they're looking for people like you just to connect with and ask questions and just, you know, you mentioned kind of mentorship. It uh, just might be something to think about it. I, I know there's certainly a, a need for it. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And it's a great point. And I, would encourage those younger athletes to uh, will reach out to me for sure. Um, you know, find me on social, reach out and reach out to 
anyone they can. I, it's easier now than ever to do that. And I, I would encourage them to do that. So yeah, I agree with you. It's important. Well, I appreciate you being willing to be visible. Like, like you said, um, there is a dearth of, of out women in swimming and people in each sport, particularly at elite levels, they, they, they focus on your sport, like, like I said. So the impact that you can have in, in swimming uh, can be a lot greater than, than uh, some superstar in an, another sport. So, you know, just really appreciate you. And, and, and I know you, you, uh, you, you understand what you've done because that's ultimately why you did it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I end the podcast every week with the same two questions. And the first one I'm not going to ask because we've already addressed you don't know anything about Lord of the Rings, the, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, the second question, though, is tell me an Olympian who has inspired you. There's been so many. Um, I would say, honestly, a, a real simple one for me is my former teammate, Anime Pierce. Uh, she was someone who I swam with. So she's actually a training partner of mine. And she um, broke the world record in the 200 meter breaststroke specifically. So, um, you know, being able to train with her, look up to her and ask her questions even on a daily basis and learn from her successes and failures was, was huge for me. So I'd say in at least, yeah, she, she definitely inspired me among many others. Well, again, thank you for taking the time. And if there's anything we can do to, to help you elevate what you're doing, just please let us know. That's what Outsports is here for. Awesome. Thank you. You can follow Martha McCabe on Instagram and Twitter at MarthMCC. That's M-A-R-T-H-C-C. She's on both platforms with the same username. I hope to have an original episode next week. I have to tell you, I am out of town as you listen to this. I am, I'm taking a break for a week, a much needed break. But I'm hoping to be back next week with the original episode, but it might be two weeks. I don't know what the future holds. I don't have a crystal ball at this point, but hoping for the best. It, it is, we are a year from the Olympic Games. So I want to ramp up the episodes that we're doing here. But again, I got to tell you, vac vacation right now kind of comes first. So if I can fit one in for next week, I absolutely will. Otherwise, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Thanks as always for listening. And you can follow us on Twitter at Five Rings to Rule. We'll talk to you in August. <laughs>